1: This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com.
2: All right, welcome to Off the Radar here on 365 Sports. Been a little while since we've done this, but uh, look at various stories around the sports world that we otherwise don't really get to or we don't get to spend very much time on, so it'll be a sprinkling of things, and sometimes it will be college football, but there's no no more games. There's one more game. Just uh, no more games to, to kind of take us into next Monday night's national championship game. It'll be number one, Michigan. Number two, Washington, 630 on ESPN from NRG Stadium next Monday. And I, just, I wanted to ask you guys, because we haven't got around to it, but... Do you feel like this is a good versus evil? Did you feel weird seeing Michigan celebrating? And did you feel weird seeing people celebrating Michigan? Did that ever come across your radar at all? I just wonder because the whole fiasco at the beginning of the year, Harbaugh suspension, all these different things just went away, basically. They just kind of went away the second half of the season. And I don't know if that's because of legally well, they needed to. Well, he too, or served
0: his time. He did. He did. Uh, but they they found a way to win despite it. They did. It was a great win.
2: So they, they went on about their business, and he came back, and they've continued to go on about their business. But I just wonder if you're going to view this as, like, the purity of Washington and good versus evil uh, do you have any bone to pick with Michigan? How do you just feel about the fact that the Wolverines had those issues and are now in this national title game? I'm just curious. I don't have a strong feeling towards it. It makes me feel a little weird about it, but at the same time, as you said, Harbaugh served as suspension. There's nothing else to go off of. So there were
0: also a lot of gaps between when they last played. Been almost a month since they won the Big Ten championship game. I don't. I don't. I, I'll tell you what. That's a resilient as hell team. Yeah. Uh, with all the distractions that could have eaten a lot of people alive. Uh, you can like or not like Jim Harbaugh, but I, I haven't thought that much about good versus evil. I, I want Washington to win. I'd love to see Washington win. I kind of like their team, but as far as it will it ruin my night if Harbaugh and Michigan win, no.
2: Yeah, I mean that's not a news story. That was just something more or less I was curious about. I mean, for you, Paul, is it? Do you have any like ill my, will towards the, Michigan and good I, versus evil? I'm I, I'm just saying that as like I kind of position in it, but that's not how I feel necessarily. Here's the thing:
1: I don't. I'm apoplectic about Jim Harbaugh. Okay. Uh, I, what I don't like about it is that Jim Harbaugh would have, and it's not just this rule, like he would have, like thumbed his nose at all these rules, and there's no consequence for him, but there are going to be consequences for Michigan in the future because he'll not have a consequence. Because if if it comes down to, he might be the coach of the Chargers in, in three weeks. Like that, that, that very well could be the case. So if he's the coach of the Chargers, all this stuff's going to come down to Michigan and the players that are there or whatever's going to happen, and Jim Harbaugh's going to make the same amount of money he makes at Michigan or maybe more uh in in L.A. coaching for the Chargers. So, you know, that's the thing I don't like about it. I just – I would rather – like, I would rather a team that's not been accused of what they've been accused right, of yeah. be in this position because it won't make you feel as icky. But, eh, you know – Whatever. I, the, the, world. Yeah. The, the, the biggest thing I don't like about Harbaugh is the way that he's he's got the John Calipari, no, you're the a hole for asking kind of vibe about him. Yes, That's what I don't like. Every sport at every level does. Yeah. Every and like there's there are coaches who are his like personality. Yeah, he is. he like, Is Kalen DeBoer's not like that. No. But he is, and I don't I don't care for that. Like, look, you can answer the question however you want to, but don't be mad because it has to be asked.
2: Right, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm the idiot for even asking you a question. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, that's just uh, something I was curious about because that was such a big deal weeks ago, and it's been a little while, and they've gone about their business, as I mentioned. So, uh, Washington and Michigan next Monday night in the college football playoff national championship game. uh, There was some... NFL action while we were away, quite a bit of it, a couple weekends worth, and that included there towards the tail end, a massive win for the Cowboys over the Detroit Lions. Uh, What a win for Dallas, although not without some controversy, of course, as the Lions, what was thought to be game-winning two-point conversion, got called back because Taylor Decker, their offensive lineman, allegedly did not report that he was eligible uh, during that play, although there is video evidence that very clearly shows him going to the referee and basically checking into the ball game as he was supposed to, uh, so what should have been a big touchdown and a big moment for the Lions and a huge win, Jared Goff hitting Taylor Decker ended up getting called back, and as we know, the Cowboys go on to win that game. Um, just uh, and learn from Adam Schefter that uh, the 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 crew, the refereeing crew, that's a part of that are getting downgraded for the postseason, not going to be as involved as they might otherwise be because they've had a couple of moments this season, including most recently with that Cowboys game, but also Week 13 with the Chiefs and Packers. Uh, That same crew, part of some controversy there. And so Adam Schefter reporting this past weekend that that crew, manned by Brad Allen as a referee, will not be officiating in the postseason. They're going to get downgraded. Um, So there you go. There's a little follow-up on that. I thought there might be much... More to do with like just the controversy of that, but it seems like it's kind of fading
1: pretty well, quickly. I, I think it's because Dan Campbell, like, he knows what he, how he messed it up because they were given another opportunity, right? Like, the Cowboys handed it right back to them after that. And they still, when the, from the same spot they were on the field, didn't execute the play right. And not only that, uh, David Hellman, I heard him say this on his podcast the other day, who uh, we've had on the show, was a long time, uh, you know, whoever week guest. Uh, he said, Look, they heard the official announce the wrong number. They heard him say number 70 and didn't do anything about that. And they had time to do it. They're like, Hey, whoa, whoa, it's not 70, it's 68. They didn't do anything about it. And plus, they committed three other penalties on that same play. They just picked the wrong one that they committed. And, you know, I like, but that crew does, you know, probably need to get a little better.
2: Yeah, I think it'd be fair to say you have a couple of different incidents where you are clearly not doing your job correctly. That is enough to get you demoted or what have you the right phrase for that would be. But, yeah, according to Adam Schefter, that crew getting downgraded for the postseason after a couple of big uh, screw-ups, including most recently with the Cowboys and the Lions, although there's still a lot of, well, he didn't do this, and it was that, and it was this, and it was just a whole big mess. But in the end, it was a great win for the Cowboys. And y'all's thoughts on seeing Dallas get a big win over a team like Detroit that's right there uh, in the mix of the, the best teams in the league?
0: Yeah, that they that that's the number two seed. That means you get to host, you get a buy, and then you get to host somebody. Um you might be able to even host the game, depending on what happens with San
1: Francisco. Well, they uh they're going to if they beat Washington this week, which it would be terrible if Washington won the game. They're about to have the second pick in the draft. They can get yep. either Caleb Williams or Drake May. Which means they'll screw it up. They're guaranteed to get one of those guys if they if they don't win this game. If the Cowboys win, they're going to get at least, and if, should they win the playoff game, they'll get a second playoff game at home before they would have to go to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So this worked out well for them uh, that the Eagles uh, can't get out of their own way. Philadelphia's a shell of themselves.
0: There's something different than just they're not playing well. There's something in between the ears of those guys in the locker room. There's just something that's not there. Sometimes you can click. You remember uh, there's teams that have Mm gone into the playoffs before, not played well. Some have been red hot. But Dallas, uh, it it reminded me, it's so weird, and I believe it was 95. It was the year they won their last Super Bowl. And they kind of had some uh, issues. you know, Switzer's second year. They had some – there were a few, like, racial overtones in the locker room. There was a lot of infighting. And they went on a – I think it was a Sunday or Monday night game. They flew out to perhaps Arizona. Somebody could have won earlier in the day, and the Cowboys would have been on the road. Somebody lost. The Cowboys go on the road to win. It kind of reminded me of that, the way they won that game for a chance to now host, at least, as you said, Paul, one and possibly two games in the postseason, where they're undefeated. They're
2: 8-0. Yeah, well, that brought in a big audience, 25.66 million viewers for Saturday night's NFL Monday Night Football broadcast, obviously, with the Christmas weekend and how all that worked out date-wise. So, playing on Saturday night, massive, massive audience, 25.6 million, don't have the... Ratings from last night's or yesterday's playoff games. Very curious to see when those come in and, and what those end up looking like. But, man, 25.6. It will not come close to that. I can guarantee no. you that. And there's been a couple of bowl games that have posted really well. For example, Cotton Bowl, most-watched New Year's 6 primetime game uh, since 2016. And you know how sometimes they kind of, like, flub some of these graphics with, like, the mm. most this, and there's, like, a caveat to it, but Ohio State and Missouri pulling in nine point six million viewers uh, for that contest. You also had a uh, big number as well for Georgia and Florida State, despite the fact that it was a 60-point blowout of epic proportions and not at all what people were hoping to see out of that game, but over 10 million viewers uh, tuned in for Georgia and Florida State as well. And we haven't really impacted Paul, but uh, just kind of how was your you're viewing for that game, Georgia well, and Florida State. Uh.
1: I was traveling back from Nashville, so I saw the first half in the airport. And then the second half, uh, I did not see, even though I could have watched it on the plane, uh, because I don't like punishment that much. And look, they had 53 scholarship players available. Like the committee told them their season didn't matter to the point that they did. I mean, they, I don't. Like, I can't begrudge them for anything that happened. It sucks. I wish that more players had stayed. You know, Georgia's opt-outs, and they had, uh, I guess, Brock Bowers didn't play in the game, but Ladd McConkey did. Carson Beck did. Dominic Lovett did. I mean, they had most of their starters playing in the game. So it wasn't a surprise uh, that they that they that happened especially given the amount of especially on on defense not even Brock Glenn but on defense that what they were having to deal with with guys opting out and then some injuries as well of guys who would have played in the game had they been healthy 53 scholarship players you're not winning a game with like that's i think that's seven above the covid threshold of a few Miami, years Miami, ago. Miami, yeah. So, like, they, like, if they had COVID a couple of years ago, it'd be one of those like, all right, we're going to play, but, you know, we'll see. So, yeah, that's exactly what they I think they had 45 or something, 46 to to have a COVID roster and, and play in a game. So, yeah, they were barely over that for this game. Well, you got the Cowboys
2: win, so there was at least that. Yeah, and and they got, got monster numbers, 25 million. But, yeah, uh, still 10-plus million for Florida State Georgia despite the fact that it was such a blowout game. So that's uh, pretty impressive. And that's also, I think, what you're looking at when you – You hear a lot of this realignment talk, and you hear about the playoffs and the SEC and the Big Ten. You see how many of those matchups were SEC Big Ten matchups? There was like eight, nine games that were SEC Big Ten matchups in the the last couple of – Days of the bowl games. It was very interesting, kind of how that shook out, whether intentionally or not. But a little bit of a preview of maybe what people feel is uh, to come with the expanded playoff moving forward. So, Paul had a little bit of an up and down weekend uh, as you uh, see there with the uh, Cowboys and then also with Florida State. Uh, Meanwhile, speaking of Florida State, I don't know if you got to catch uh, Jim Phillips uh, doing a little TV spot there uh, during the Orange Bowl. He's on the pregame panel. And he was asked about Florida State filing a lawsuit against the ACC um, and he said, well, it's a legal case now, and I stand by every word that myself and President Jim Ryan at Virginia, who's the chair of the ACC board, indicated. We're incredibly disappointed, and we feel very strongly about a document that was signed by one of our members, willingly signed by one of our members back in 13 and in 16, and we're ready to fight, and we will go through this in a reasonable way, but we will protect the ACC, we'll let the legal system take its course, and we'll walk through it together, and we'll get to a finish line we're Ever that is. So, you know, can't obviously say this is how we're going. You know, uh, it, it's up to the courts now, like he said, but he, he let it be known. Yeah, the ACC is not going to back down and they feel strongly about their grant of rights. And so let the battles continue on. But uh, that was something, obviously, that was full speed ahead when we went into Christmas break. A lot of talk about that. And now on the other end, not much has changed other yeah. than just everybody uh, preparing for war, basically.
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting how they. Okay, are you going to. Yeah, they've they've got dueling lawsuits. You, know, the ACC filed one in in their hometown. Counter Florida State, yeah. State, you know, filed one in their hometown. So you're going to see how those are going to work out. And is the argument going to be? I think in Florida, it appears that the case is going to be: well, this contract restricts our opportunity for free trade. Uh, and therefore is invalid under Florida law. Um, and I do think this is just going to wind up in a settlement because neither of these two sides are going to want a lot of this discovery out there. Uh, like on Florida State side, you know, I don't know what they would find. It's, there's going to be something that's going to be probably potentially damning and embarrassing about when they signed the contract in 2016. And then on the ACC side, I don't think they really want to get into what John Swafford was doing uh, when he was the commissioner, pre Jim Phillips, and how that he let ESPN essentially hold him over a barrel, because that's appears Maybe what happened. somebody I
0: mean, speak up? Yeah, yeah I know. somebody I mean, at another school, that's... whether they're still there or not, speak up and go. Wait a minute, are we so sure we want to do this? I don't remember anything on record that anyone was complaining about what ESPN was asking them or telling them to do.
2: Yeah, that also seems like it's the the hope of Florida State fans is there's like this smoking gun from back when the negotiations were occurring that's going to just like unleash all of this and let them be free to roam with very little penalty. That's like the dream scenario. Yeah, that's not going to happen. So I don't know how realistic that is, um, but you, you do see a lot of finger pointing to when the deal was negotiated and how it was negotiated and ESPN's influence and all of that. But that was Jim Phillips the, just on the pregame panel for the Orange Bowl letting it, it be known, like, yep, they're preparing for, it, for battle. Here's what I know.
1: They're not getting out for free, but they're also not paying half a billion. The, that's all we know. Yeah, they're getting out. It's just gonna. The number is what's going to be the interesting thing.
2: Yeah. So that uh, that remains kind of where it was before we uh, left off for a break. But I just wanted to wrap around back to that because that is certainly going to be a big talking point uh, moving forward. So elsewhere, uh, one other thing that was kind of and that was very much off of the radar, but the USFL and the XFL have merged. I don't know if you guys saw yeah. this, but yeah. the. Rock Dwayne Johnson was on the NFL on Fox pregame show and has announced that there will be a merger uh, with the XFL and the USFL, and it will now be the UFL. The UFL, the new... The United Football League, the merger between the XFL and USFL, uh, CEO and former XFL President Russ Brandon will be in the same role with the UFL. Meanwhile, Daryl Moose Johnston, who was an executive with the USFL and and doing football ops, he'll now do football ops over uh, with this new league as well. So it'll be involved with Fox Sports um, and the uh, merging of the teams has already been decided. There's going to be a kickoff on Saturday, March 30th for the new season. It'll be the Arlington Renegades, who won the XFL last year, versus the USFL champion, the Birmingham Stallions. And so that's a, kind of an interesting way for things to kick off. But they'll have eight teams, a little bit of a merger of uh, four from one side, four from the other. And I think one of the compromises was they had the Houston Roughnecks, which was a, an XFL, but they're taking the USFL head coach, and there was there was two Houston franchises so they're taking the XFL branding and the USFL head coach and merging that into mm-hmm. the Houston Roughnecks franchise that you will see so there will be eight markets uh, they're carrying over four teams with their head coaches uh, uh, from each league. You'll have Birmingham, Houston, Memphis, and Michigan from the USFL side of things, and then Arlington, D.C., San Antonio, and St. Louis from the XFL side of things. So there you go. Uh, then those will be the the conferences or divisions, so to speak. So there you go. The new UFL, we'll see if that makes any more of a dent in spring football interest, I don't don't know that it will, but it's at least consolidating, which is something that you kind of needed to happen when all these leagues were sort of sprouting up, you know? Well,
1: I I think there's... Shocking that they had to consolidate. Yeah, shocking. I think it's... Here's the good parts about it. Whether people really stick to it or not, they have a singular company with a vision now as opposed to several different ones. There are not... The USFL failed because they had... A lot of really bad owners. In in addition to that, like the just read about the San Antonio Gunslingers and tell me that guy should have owned anything uh, ever. But they're all like that's why it failed in the eighties, among other things. But now they have one owner it's the rocks group that owns it you know so i think it'll be better they've got good tv contracts it'll be better than anything that we've seen before but it's all going to depend on how many people watch it on tv and go to the games uh, and it'll be better for the players too because you have one place you can go to get that shot to maybe get get into the nfl so that's all good but again it's still a huge roll of the dice on does anyone care about it
2: yep does anybody care we'll see um but the split interest at Least is now consolidated into one major league with uh, the eight teams. And then, meanwhile, tonight, the long awaited opening of Foster Pavilion here uh, in Waco with uh, Baylor's brand new basketball arena. The Baylor men, number 18 team in the country, will host Cornell to kick off the new arena, and then tomorrow night the women uh, will take on number 23 TCU to open uh, their Foster Pavilion stint. So uh, all that happening later on tonight, and uh, should be interesting to check out the new digs and uh, see what it's all about and see uh, what kind of excitement it can create. It's and supposed, there's a few things off the radar.
0: Thank you, Craig. It's supposed to be kind of nasty weather. I don't know if I was going to go over there. I have a press pass to get in a parking spot, but uh, – not sure if I will or not, and if not, I'll try to go tomorrow. The TCU women pretty good in basketball. We know what Baylor is; they beat Texas on the road in Austin on
1: Saturday. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.